morning church today's uh, bible reading is from the book of uh, genesis chapter 18 verses 1 to 15 genesis chapter 18 1 to 15 you can follow this uh, from your bibles or uh, on the screen which is uh, shown there the lord appeared to abraham near the great trees of mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby when he saw them he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low, low to the ground he said if i have found favor in your eyes my lord do not pass your servant by let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go your way now that you have come to your servant very well they answered do as you say so abraham hurried into the tent to sarah quick he said get 3 sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it he then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate he stood near them under a tree where is your wife sarah they asked him there in the tent he said then the lord said i will surely return to you about this time next year and sarah your wife will have a son Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, "After I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure?" Then the Lord said to Abraham, "Why did Sarah laugh and say, 'Will I really have a child now that I'm old?'" Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, "I did not laugh." But he said, "Yes, you did laugh." This is the word of God. Oh, thank you, Fred. Let's uh, again come before the Lord in prayer as we look at his word this morning. Our sovereign Lord and heavenly Father, thank you for this astonishing passage, so full of life and its struggles and the hopes that you set before us in the gospel. Lord, please open our hearts this morning and our ears that we might hear and know and understand what you would have to say to us today in your word. we might be refreshed and sent forth rejoicing because you are our god and we ask this in Jesus name amen well the songwriter paul simon describes in a song called old friends how strange it is while still in our youth to imagine being 70 and he pictures two old men quietly sharing a park bench 
Where Paul Simon wrote these words, he was just 27 years old. Now, I think he's entering his 90s. I'm sure he's discovered by now uh, what he found hard to imagine when he wrote the song, How Old Age Comes Up Upon Us. Well, he's not alone in viewing the prospect of ageing with uncertainty and fear. There is something unsettling about the general desolations of old age. Derek Kidner writes in his commentary on the message of Ecclesiastes that old friends are taken, familiar customs change, and long-held hopes now have to be abandoned. We need help in coming to terms with old age and learning how to handle it. Well, our passage today has something of that kind of wisdom in it. It is a heartwarming story of faith and hope, in which Sarah's laughter becomes the lightning rod for God's grace. It all begins with God's promise to Abraham, especially that promise that God will make a covenant with Abraham's offspring, an everlasting covenant that will bring the hope of salvation to all peoples. And it is a huge promise. But how can God hope to keep it? Because how can Sarah ever be a mother at her age. Today we're going to be reminded that God can make the impossible possible. He can turn our fears into laughter, our doubts into delights. For he has promised to save completely those who put their hope in him, no matter their age, no matter their age. So again I say, God can make the impossible possible and Sarah is one of the great test cases in the Bible. God will not forget Sarah. She will not be passed over. She will not be left out. All her doubts will be answered. All her fears will be calmed. She may be old and childless now, but she will not be forgotten by God. Sarah's faith and life is every bit as important to God as her husband Abraham's faith and life. And this is what Paul meant when he said the woman will be saved through childbirth. That's why in our passage today, what God has promised to Abraham, he now also promises to Sarah. She needs to know, she needs to believe and understand that what God has said to her husband, he will surely do for her. Her faith has been shaken by so many years of disappointment. But now God is saying to her, my dear Sarah, you shall be a mother yet. What I have promised to Abraham, I now promise to you that by this time next year, you will have a son. It's true. You will hold him in your arms. You will nurse him at your breast. You will give him the name Isaac, which means laughter. For you will laugh with joy. What I have promised to Abraham, I now promise to you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, what seems at first to be just a story about hospitality and welcoming strangers turns out to be far more rich and meaningful and, dare I say, challenging than that. Yes, God's friendship with Abraham is important for sure, but even more important in our passage today is the need for Sarah to grow in her faith as a woman. She needs to know that God can be trusted and that he will give her a son of promise in her old age. And that son is to be called Isaac. 
Sarah's laughter. Right now, though, Sarah isn't quite there yet. And that's why God visits Abraham in chapter 18. Certainly one of the reasons why. So let's start with the three visitors. Or is it just one visitor? Well, we'll need to find out, won't we? Today's scene opens in the heat of the day with Abraham camped at his favourite place near the great trees of Mamre. This must have been some kind of an oasis where Abraham could pitch his tent under the shade of an oak tree and where there was plenty of water for his flocks and herds to drink. But that's not all there was at Mamre. After Lot parted ways with Abraham, remember because their flocks had become too large for them to stay together, Lot decided to move over the river, across the River Jordan, into the plains and stay near the city of Sodom. But Abraham moved his tents to a place near the great trees of Mamre, where, we are told at the end of chapter 13, he built an altar to the Lord. Abraham stopped at Mamre and he built an altar to the Lord. That's in chapter 13, verse 18. So Mamre isn't just a place for Abraham to pitch his tent. It's also a place of worship. It's closely connected with Abraham's faith in the Lord. And when you go through the pages, chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, up to where we are today, you'll notice Mamre is mentioned in chapter 14 as being named after Mamre the Amorite, who, with his brothers Eshcol and Anna, were allies of Abraham in the fight against King Ketelema when Abraham went with his allies to rescue Lot after they'd been taken away. And yes, Mamre is mentioned there as the place where Abraham was living at that time. I think Mamre was basically the closest thing Abraham had to a home in the land. It must have been where the Lord appeared to him in chapter 15, promising him descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. I think it was the place where Sarah tried to gain a child for herself through Hagar, resulting in the birth of Ishmael in chapter 16. It must be also where God gave Abraham the sign of circumcision in chapter 17, because Mamre is where we find Abraham today, still waiting for God's promises to come true. So have a look at these verses on the screen now from chapter 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed down low to the ground. So what do you make of this strange encounter? Is this some kind of foreshadowing of the Trinity? The Lord appeared to Abraham in verse 1, but Abraham saw three men in verse 2. What do you think? Is this the Lord appearing in three persons? It sounds like it, doesn't it? And I admit it is tempting for us to think in this way because as Christians we're already used to it. One Lord, three persons, that's a Trinity, right? But... Let's not jump to conclusions, because as we read on in the passage, the identity of these three men is gradually revealed to us, so that by the end of the chapter, we know that they are three angels. One of them is the angel of the Lord, a visible manifestation of God, to whom Abraham primarily speaks. And the other two are accompanying angels. So this is not the Trinity, 
But then neither are these three ordinary men. So let's have a look a little further. Come down to verse 33 of chapter 18. Look at what it says here, right at the end of chapter 18. It says, When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. So Abraham has been speaking to the Lord, to the angel of the Lord. There's no doubt about that. And then when we read on into chapter 19, look at what it says next. The two angels, that is the other two angels, apart from the angel of the Lord, arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Sounds like Abraham, doesn't it? Quite a similar response. But notice, Lot says to them, my lords, my lords. Lot speaks to them in the plural, the two angels. My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. So no, this is not the Trinity, but I believe it is, as it were, a foreshadowing of the Trinity insofar as Abraham speaks to them or perhaps to him as my Lord. He recognises that there is something greater about the presence of these men, these angels, this angel of the Lord who is the Lord. It's not every day that the Lord comes to you with two accompanying angels and turns up at your front door as the appearance of three men. As far as I know, it's the only time it happens in the Bible. So this is one very special visit, a foreshadowing of the Trinity perhaps. Not only that, but it seems to me that as these men appear and Abraham looks up and sees them, his spirit leaps within him. As soon as he sees them, he knows that in some way these men are connected to the promises of God and, yes, with the Lord himself, so that despite his old age, he's a hundred, he literally runs out to meet them. Okay? This is not normal behaviour. He runs, he he says hurries, but literally he ran out to meet them and then he bowed down onto the ground before them to honour them. And then he said to the leader of the three, if I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. I think he forgot his age, don't you? So now my second point today is consider this wonderful possibility of entertaining angels as Abraham did. Can you imagine what a joy it must be to entertain an angel and to honour God in the process? We kind of write the possibility off these days, don't we, in our materialistic world, but there was something about these three men that demanded Abraham's deepest respect He said, if I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed, and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. Isn't it interesting, our responsive reading this morning had Jesus visiting a Pharisee's house and Jesus commented, well, you didn't bring me water to wash my feet, but the whole time I've been here, this lady's been washing my feet with her tears. They had not shown 
good hospitality to Christ on the day that he went to that house. But Abraham, he invites them, wash their feet, come and settle, I'll bring you a banquet, I'll prepare it for you now. Refresh yourselves in my presence. Very well, they answered, do as you say. This hospitality is commended by God and it is a blessing both to the host and to the guests. In fact, Abraham and Sarah, really two of the most attentive hosts, hostesses that you could ever hope to meet. Despite his old age, Abraham is racing around like an excited child to look after these three strangers, these visitors to his tent at Mamre. The best of the herd is selected prepared as the main meal. Sarah bakes the bread and there's yogurt and there's milk and everything is set out before the guests for their refreshment and enjoyment. And so we read in verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set them before them. Bon appetit. This is excellent service. And while they ate, Abraham stood near them under a tree. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, this welcoming of strangers is commended to all Christians as something that we should imitate. So here's something we can do today in response to what we've been reading so far. In chapter 13, verse 2 of Hebrews, it says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. The writer of Hebrews is actually talking about our passage today and the events that are unfolding as we're looking at it. Isn't it lovely when someone invites you over to their home after church? If you're a stranger and you receive that kind of hospitality, it'll leave an impression on you, won't it? So I commend it to you as an idea for your own consideration to make a point of welcoming people to our church after morning tea. Perhaps invite them out to lunch or even to your home. It's not that hard to do. Just get a group of friends together. Go and say hello and then invite the newcomers out for some Burwood hospitality. A great thing to do and pleasing to God. And so doing also, you may one day entertain an angel without knowing it. And even if you don't meet an angel, well, you will have blessed the visitor and yourself in the name of the Lord, which is always a good thing to do. So then, don't forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. But now that the angels have been entertained and they've been fed and their feet have been washed, what happens next? Well, it's time for some conversation. But you've got to admit, things now take a bit of an unexpected turn as Sarah struggles to believe in the promises of God. This is Sarah's struggle. It's my third point for today. Look at verse 9. Where is Sarah, your wife? They asked him. Or where is your wife, Sarah? 
Fair in the tent, he said. Fair in the tent. Well, it's a startling question because Abraham so far has never mentioned his wife's name, but these men know it already. They know who Sarah is. Why doesn't Abraham ask her to come out of the tent? Why don't the visitors ask her themselves? Honestly, I don't know. Perhaps it was culturally inappropriate. I'm only guessing. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. I want you to picture this, right? Sarah is inside the door of the tent, but if she peeks around the corner, well, she can see the back of the men who are speaking to Abraham And she hears her name, Sarah, and her ears prick up. Now she's seeing what she can hear. But when the stranger mentions that old promise again, well, she just can't help herself. She lets out a laugh of incredulity, perhaps even a little bitterness. It's not a happy laugh. Here we go again, she must have thought to herself. All this lifelong journey I've followed my husband from Haran to Canaan, from Egypt to Mamre. Has that promise of a child ever come true? No. All those years ago, our Lord promised us a son through whom all the nations of the world are to be blessed. He promised us a family more numerous than the sand on the seashore or the stars in the night sky. But here I am, still childless at the age of 90. Ha! I mean, put yourself in her shoes. Imagine what it must have been like. The pain of disappointment was intense. She'd yearned for motherhood her whole life. The promise had been dangled before her. Year after year after year after year, it never happened. Now Sarah's faith is at breaking point in her old age. In verse 11 we're told Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm old and worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? You can feel that laugh come within your own heart just as you think of the situation, can't you? Where's this going? Laughter can be a way of coping with disappointment. Sometimes people put happy faces on sad hearts. Same thing happened to Abraham back in chapter 17. He also chuckled at the idea that Sarah could conceive a child in her old age. Hey, this is impossible. In chapter 17, verse 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael may live under your blessing. I mean, humanly speaking, come on, this is, this is impossible. Why not just stick with Ishmael? That was Abraham's thinking. But God delights to make the impossible possible. 
It's one of his specialities. And in this he is highly exalted. So God said to Abraham at that time, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Well, that's what God said to Abraham then. But now Sarah needs to hear that word for herself, not secondhand through Abraham, her husband, but straight from the mouth of God. She needs to hear this promise for herself. She needs to know that God's word can be trusted completely and that what is impossible for her is still possible for God. And I can't stress this enough. Sarah's son in her old age will be the source of her salvation. The woman will be saved through childbirth. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He said, women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with propriety. It's not an easy verse, but I think it refers to the Saviour Jesus' birth. The women or the woman will be saved through the birth of the child. It was Eve, the woman, who sinned first and then Adam, her husband. But in the grace of God to fulfill his plan of redemption, God ordained that the role of motherhood, which is something only a woman can do, that motherhood should be the means of our Saviour's birth. Only women can be mothers. Strange we live in a world where we need to say that, but it's true. Only women can be mothers. Motherhood is a beautiful thing and it's going to be God's gift to Sarah in her old age. Sarah's Isaac, Sarah's laughter will be a son of promise who, like the Lord Jesus, is born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, really, but born of God, a miracle child, born of God a son of promise to this aged woman. In Isaac, Sarah's laughter will take on flesh and she'll hold him in her arms and nurse him at her breast. Like Hannah who prayed for Samuel. Like Elizabeth who received the gift of John. And of course like Mary who received Jesus our saviour. And she was saved through the birth of her son. So shall it be with Sarah and Isaac that through the everlasting covenant God makes with Abraham's offspring, the Saviour Jesus will be born. That's why I call my sermon today Sarah's Laughter. Because remember, Isaac means laughter. And her laughter, as I said, will take on flesh. And he will receive that promise of an eternal covenant which leads straight to Jesus. We're on the gospel path here. So now the word of God speaks in verse 13. This is the voice of God and I think Jesus is very near to us in this passage. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Now Jesus really is close at hand. But at this critical moment, Sarah behaves like Eve. Did you notice, like Eve in the Garden of Eden, having the thoughts of her heart suddenly exposed, she feels embarrassed and afraid and taken aback by the penetrating insight of the voice of the one who knows her better than she knows herself. She tries to cover herself with a fig leaf lie. In verse 15, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Oh, Eve. And did that man now turn around and shoot Sarah one of those looks that Jesus gave to Peter just after he denied the Lord three times? Surely he turned around to say directly to Sarah, I'm sorry, but yes, You did laugh. Sarah has been suitably rebuked, but lovingly. And so at last, the promise to Abraham becomes the promise to Sarah too. And God will not forget Sarah. She will not be passed over. She will not be left out. All her doubts will be answered. All her fears will be calmed. And at this point, the narrative in chapter 18 takes now up the story of Abraham's pleading for the city of Sodom and enters into the surprising rescue of Lot and then the destruction of the city. And we need to turn over a couple of pages in our Bible to get to the end of this story in chapter 21. So let's go there now to this, see how the story ends. It's a very happy ending, the ending to this story. We read in chapter 21, verse 1, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. Just let that sink in. The Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And then it goes on to say, look at this, Sarah said, what did Sarah say? God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So I wonder what reasons you have to laugh in life today. Is there laughter in your home when you come home from work? Is there laughter in your marriage when you embrace one another? Is there laughter in your soul before the throne of God? And what kind of laughter is it? For as we've seen, there are many kinds of laughter. 
Is your laughter joyful laughter? Or is it the laughter of defeat? Is it tender loving laughter? Or is it the laughter of fear? Sarah's laughter has shifted a lot in our passage today, from sadness to joy, from doubt to full assurance, and of course from childlessness to motherhood. So to the childless women among us today I say this, if you're grieving because you're infertile, or you're past the age of having children, or perhaps you're single and you want a husband to start a family but God has left you single, the first lesson from our passage today is that you should pray. Ask God for his provision in your life and may he grant you the joy of having children, if not children of your own, then spiritual children in Christ. May he bring the gift of evangelism. May he make you, as it were, a mother to the younger generations in our church. May he make you useful as a woman of God. May Sarah's joy be your joy. May you Share in the joy of that godly woman because God can make the impossible possible. So pray and look to God's answer. By his grace, God can turn our fears into laughter and our doubts into delights for he has promised to save completely those who put their hope in him. We've seen this clearly in our passage today and I urge you to draw comfort from it if you're feeling down. May God's word put a smile in your heart today and may you go home rejoicing and laughing with Sarah even and especially in your old age. Thirdly, don't forget what we've learnt about showing hospitality to strangers. I mean, who knows? You, you may entertain an angel without knowing it. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? So why not start today by inviting a, a newcomer to lunch? I'm sure it would be a lovely opportunity to encourage one another in the Lord. And finally, it is true, we all face times of discouragement from this life, don't we? We all get down. Life has its troubles. There are times when things seem impossible or too hard or hope fades away and we feel like giving up. And this can especially happen in our old age. And even after many years of walking with the Lord just as it happened to Sarah in our passage today. Consider that when confronted with her unbelief, Sarah lied to God. And God rebuked her for it. But then he comforted her too. Remember what he said? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And just for the record, the correct answer is no. When we're feeling down and discouraged, it's true, we're, our horizons shrink and we just focus in on the little thing that's bad. We, we need to review what God is doing, get the bigger picture. Look back to Jesus. Nothing is impossible with God. Our sinless saviour died and was risen from the grave. We forget God's promises. Perhaps we hold them against him. We also forget that God has a sense of humour. I mean, laughter is the best medicine, they say. And after seeing today's passage, I think I have to agree that's also a biblical truth. Laughter is the best medicine. 
Holy laughter is a gift from God. The laughter that comes to us is a promise kept, like Sarah's laughter in her son Isaac. It's the essence of the gospel. The good news that brings joy to those who believe in it. So let us rejoice in God's promises today. Let us remember Sarah's laughter as we lift up our hearts to praise our God and Saviour today. For he has and he will continue to put a smile in our hearts today. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful message, your truth, your encouragement, your grace, your patience, your enduring grace. And thank you for that holy laughter, the son of promise, Isaac, who stands in the line of Jesus, our Saviour. So today, we bring all our troubles before you, all our fears, our discouragements, the disappointments and our old age, knowing that when Christ returns, you will give us new bodies. We'll forget our old age. We will dance. We will run. We will sing. We will enjoy everything in the banquet that you will prepare for us. And we will feed together laughing around the table at all the good things you have done for us. May you revive our hope in you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.